Welcome to another episode of First Strike. Today we have two awesome guests. We had Dan Schneider on back again after top eighting F2F Tour weekend in Calgary. That's after doing well at F2F Toronto. Not quite getting there, but he got there this time. And then we have the winner himself, Joseph Karani, coming on. And uh, just cool to see that we ended up picking two guests from New Brunswick, from Manitoba. And uh, these guys, these guys, Andy and Derek, were doing well as well. I was following them. I'm like, are they gonna are they gonna repeat? Are they gonna top eight again? And honestly, they kind of kept like they you guys came close. So that was really sweet to see. And so we have we have two good interviews coming right up. But uh, I did want to ask these guys some questions about like their weekend as well. Um, Derek, uh, we heard Joseph Karani talk about later. On that, this episode about Thoughtsees, uh, what are your thoughts about that? That you might not use it on turn one. Yeah, I, I agree with that fully. That was um, one of the biggest things that I was preaching when I was playing the deck months ago. Uh, when people were asking me how I'm winning with the deck, there was this this constant talk on Twitter, on social media in general about how bad Red Black was, how it didn't do anything, how it was just like. It wasn't powerful enough. Like Phoenix has time walk and ancestral. What is Red Black doing? And I I picked up the decks. I like mid range decks. It's what I like to do. And I realized that nobody knows what they're doing at all. They don't know how to sequence their spells. They don't know how to play their spells. I was uh, I was a guest on um, Constructive Criticism, and one of the things that I said on there a couple I think it was about a month ago now was just that like, why are you casting your thoughtsies if you're not thoughtsies like, for a good reason. Like why why are we why are we doing things if we're not doing them for a good reason? Sometimes there are reasons you will thought she's on one. If you're on the draw against Lotus and they have a Sylvan scrying, or you're afraid of Sylvan scrying, or if you're like you're trying to hit something on turn two against an aggro deck, or you need to hit a ledger shredder out of Phoenix. But realistically, you should be holding it. And as we see shouldered more popular now, there's this shift in how people are using Thoughtseize to either stick their shouldered or hit their opponent's shouldered and not just firing it off on turn one. And I, I really think that, like, people people like uh, normality. They like doing the same thing over and over again. People That's one of the reasons why people play modern, and they're used to doing that in modern. They're used to doing the same patterns over in modern. And it, it's just they just get stuck in emotion. They keep making the same mistakes and they don't know why they aren't thinking, should I be thought seizing on turn three, holding it, using it as a different kind of removal spell. instead of just one drop thought sees you on one. Yeah. It's funny. If you listen to the whole thing, Derek just talked about, about thought and you go back two episodes ago and replace all of that commentary with what I said about the card consider and is it Phoenix? It's almost identical. Everyone's just so used to casting their cantrips to like, oh, let's see what my game plan is. But you're weakening your cards when you do it like that. When you play them without context, you're yeah. giving yourself less information. So the only times I was casting consider on turn one is if there was something I knew I needed to find that I did not already have. And I think it's a sort of similar thing with Derek is he's only casting his thoughts. He's on one. If he knows there's a card, he has to pick off on turn one or two, or if way his hand pours out, he's not going to be able to cast it until turn five or six or four. And it might not matter. 
And those are the things you have to kind of consider. And you have to think about it, not just, I have the mana, I can cast my spell. You have to figure out the best way to disrupt your opponent max, like, maximally. One more question for you, Derek. Um, we saw Fournier talk about how him and Edgar worked on the Rakdos deck and, and did really well. Did you trade notes with those guys? Are you guys have any key differences in or similar uh, thinking on the deck? Uh, I talked with Edgar and Fournier after they submitted their decks. Um, we didn't really um, exchange info before. Um, I think the way Fournier built his deck for the event was a bit insane, but I think that it worked out well for him. Uh, for those who don't know at home, he cut all uh, Dread Boars and played four Power Word kills and had a Bankbuster in the main and had three in the board. And that was something that I was thinking about for a while. Not the Power Word kill thing, the Bankbuster, um, but you'll hear us talk about later. I had an irrational fear about Blue-White, and I thought that I was just going to lose to it a lot. Um, and so I think I built my deck a little poorly because of that. Um, that being said, uh, I think that the way that Edgar and Fournier built their deck for the weekend was very smart considering the info that they gathered and the conclusions they came to, which was Mono White's going to be a good deck this weekend. Red Green Vehicles is going to be played more than often. There's not going to be uh, or more, yeah, more than before. Um, Lotus isn't going to be as popular blue white isn't going to be as popular and with misery shadow mono green's already pretty decent so you don't need those dread boars there was multiple times in the tournament where me having a dread boar if it was a power word kill uh i think it would have changed the outcome of the match but also in my win and in there was a spot where because i had a dread boar in my hand i couldn't kill a creature on turn two on the play and i untapped and played a fable and my opponent commit more things to the board. And I ended up dying because they had board control and I couldn't interact and I had a dread board. And it was just like, if I could play at instant speed with a power word kill, it would be a different game. I'm not sure if that swings the match, but I think that uh, like making your deck at instant speed, adding more bank busters allows you to be more controlling. And as we talk about building your deck to be beat the format and have more info and play with more info, you tend to lean more controlling in your red-black build. So I'm not sure if there's a an absolute best red-black build compared to like mine or Fournier's or Edgar's. I think that their list is logical. They've come to a conclusion and it makes sense based on the info they have. Um, similar to we hear uh, Joseph talk later, about how he built his sideboard. I find a lot of magic deck building is just about knowing what you're doing and making sure that it makes sense. As long as it's making sense, as long as you have a plan, go with it. It, it like Magic's impossible to be perfect, in my opinion. It's impossible to do everything. So, yeah. Uh, I'm sure me and Edgar and Fournay will disagree on things forever, but I, I don't think they made... A mistake in their deck building. I, I think what they did was smart, and I think I built my deck poorly this, for that weekend. Well, that's interesting. Hearing you talk about that means, like, for the pro tour, based on what you expect to show up, the the specific configuration of your deck could could change quite a bit. Yeah, um, I think I think it will. And like I said, um, 
brand new set. I don't think a lot will change, but everything's all about small edges. If you take a look at Red Black, when Shoulder was printed, something's changed. You take a look at Red Black, when Misery Shadow was printed, some small things change. It all adds up over time. Um, it, it's it's all about knowing what you're doing, paying attention to the format, and uh, making decisions for certain weekends or not making those decisions. Fournier got rewarded for having four power word kill. I still came ninth, but it's possible I could have top eight if I had four power word kill or three power kill, one to rest or uh, dreadbore or something, right? Um, there's just more edges to be gained. And I think that even if you can't take away that one deck is objectively better than the other, you can take away that it's true that edges can be gained by making these decisions and putting in the time and effort to get these small edges, whether it be through data or whatever. On, on to you, Andy. Did, did you did Happy Sandwich know that more people were going to copy his adoption of the wolf? Honestly, we didn't think as many people were going to move to the werewolf as they did. We thought that he would still sort of be ahead of the game. But as you can see in the top 16, four of the five werewolf decks were playing with the werewolf pack leader. And results just kept pouring in on moto and in like rcqs about lists doing well with the werewolf and almost no lists came in pouring in doing well with scavenging use so i think it was just one of those times where we were or he was a bit ahead of the metagame and he's was right in my opinion well let's let's finish this intro with like how you felt about your specific rakdos uh, mid-range list uh, mine was was not that weird, or it was just I played three Misery Shadow. I didn't play two Croxa. I played one Bankbuster main, one Croxa main. I kept with the three Shadow, and just because I thought Mono Green would be the second most played deck, and I, I don't I don't regret my specific like any of the specifics in my list too much. I perhaps regret the choice of playing Rakdos for me personally, and. I think the dread boars weren't that great and power word kill was pretty great every time I drew it though I did play against angels and that that matters a lot that it was dread boar that I drew one of the turns and honestly I had a pretty good run considering how little I played the deck I was eight and two before I played against Dan who I was in a pre, I was in an advantageous position in game one and three but lost both of them to some some timely top decks and I think, and then after that, I played against the Happy Sandwich, and I conceded to him to try and get him the best shot to get an invite and join me at the Pro Tour. He's one of my best friends, maybe the only person in the entire room I would even consider scooping for. But I just, in that spot, I just couldn't play it out for the really unlikely shot at Worlds when I was potentially putting my one of my best friends into a win and in. So I decided to do that. And then from there, my tournament kind of just went south. But I don't, I don't regret it. It's the world's invite that changes. Like, I'd imagine you'd scoop to more people if there wasn't a weird world's uh, invite at the end. I would scoop to almost nobody except for <laughs> the Happy Sandwich. Or if it's like uh, basically nobody except for him. <laughs> if, if Derek didn't have an invite... And it was Derek in the last round. I think he's a person I would consider scooping to as well. Consider, consider. <laughs> well, I, just in case I, I'm like pissed off that day, Adam, I don't want him to think it's a lock, you know? 
Maybe we're beefing. Um, I, I don't know if you mentioned during the, the testing house thing, are, are you two going to be working together at all for the, for the PT? Uh, yeah, we are going to be working together. We have, honestly, I think a really good team lined up for the Pro Tour. I think we're going to have a great team. I, I like our team. Yep. Yeah, I we're agree. teaming up with uh, Mason Clark, uh, Ross Miriam, Michael Van Vals, and do you know Ash's last name? I don't. It's Shutter MTG on Twitter. I don't know Ash's last name. Yeah, so maybe it's, it's like share. But a lot of honestly great, pretty accomplished players. <laughs> All right. Seeing Derek with the little smirk there about the. All right. With that, enjoy the interviews. And welcome, Dan, back on the show. I was hoping that this would happen last episode when I said, like, um, it's we want to see you soon. And here you are right away, one week, one episode after after top eighting. Uh, it was looking like maybe maybe you could just run the table completely. But uh, welcome back, Dan. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Kar. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I honestly didn't think... Uh, it was going to happen. I, I knew that being on the podcast meant I, uh, I had to show up. You know, I had to had to do at least uh, better than not making day two. Uh, I, I had I had no idea that it was going to be like the hottest run of my entire life um, to date. I'm not going to judge and, myself there. Well, congratulations! I'm sure you saw the first tweet I made after I had uh, compiled the metagame myself. I'm like, this is nothing like the guys thought it would be last week. Uh, especially, well, Rakdos, you guys were right, nailed that uh, at number one. But then we saw, I believe, Mono mono White and Mono Green at two and three in the meta game. So I'm like, okay, maybe Dan might not have such a good day one, but you just you just ran the table. <laughs> the only one to run the table. Yeah, I mean, it uh, turns out if you uh, just don't ever play Mono White, then it's it's a pretty pretty good room for, for Mono Green. Um, yeah, I didn't end up playing Mono White until uh, round nine, I believe. And how did that go? I actually ended up winning that match uh, on on the draw, but you know it's because I I stormed into some ridiculous cards. Uh, I mean, that's why I set my deck up the way uh, I did with the Teferis. Uh, Teferi was key to uh, just storming and, and going infinite, and it uh, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot after that. Um, it was it was uh, quite one-sided, although this guy was only running two Brave Elements in his mono-white list. So I guess someone was looking out for me uh, that day. That's all I had to say about that. Um, Andy, well, we were chatting early during the tournament, and you had mentioned that uh, maybe, maybe too early that you should have maybe ran back Phoenix. Uh, so number one, can you elaborate on, on that comment? And number two, were you surprised about the mono-white uh, presence? Yeah, I was definitely surprised, but I, I expected more black red than there was, like almost double. And if you had shown me that metagame, even if I think that Rakdos is an overall better deck, I would have just ran back Phoenix. I'm comfortable enough in all of the non-Rakdos matchups that I would take the the 83% of the rest of the field on me on Phoenix. It, it The way the tournament ended up playing out, I think I played four or five mirrors, so it wouldn't have worked out for me if like all the things stayed the same, but I would have won a lot more, so I wouldn't play against those Rakdos players. But I think uh, I would have ran Phoenix back if if I could do the tournament over again. 
Do you think there's a reason there was a lot of mono white? Yeah, I think it's a good deck. And for people who like to be aggressive or don't want to learn the format, it's a super safe choice that is not a difficult deck and it is powerful. And regardless how the metagame shifts, it's still got a, a pretty high floor on how bad it can be. So I think it's just kind of one of those decks that a certain style of player will enjoy. And it's just a good deck. <laughs> Derek, did you expect more Rakdos? Yes. By like, I think it, the final number was 17.8%. I thought there was going to be like 25% at least. Um, but no, I'm fine with being wrong. Still, uh, still was a pretty good, good tournament for Red Black, I would say. And I think Andy's insane for wanting to register Phoenix still. But uh, yeah, also Mono White showing up. I, I still think Mono White's top five deck. Not surprised. Had a decent weekend. Yeah, especially when there's a bunch of like, there's what, two Mono Greens in top eight and one Mono Green player 8 0 day one. So Mono White can't be that bad of a, a deck, right? Yeah. So back to your tournament, Dan. Like, did it go as you expected? Like the matchups play out the way that they did. Um, run us through your your entire tournament, actually, quickly. All right, just give me uh, three seconds, and I'll pull it up, and I'll be able to. Because basically, we started out um, played. Is it creativity, which was kind of uh, a weird matchup? Um, it wasn't the version that just kills you, though. It was the version with magma opus and stuff uh I, I punted game one forgot to grab a tormod script and uh just got outvalued um but then i kind of decided to just like keep my head down and, and uh fight through games two and three and we got through there and then the, the rest of the tournament kind of just fell into place uh played against blue white which is really free um i played against uh some uh, red black player in round three who oh, i don't know I just drew some some pretty good runner runner cards in in that game three. I'm not gonna lie, uh, it's uh, Cavalier into Storm uh, gets him every time. Is, is all I'm gonna say about that one. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was really good, and uh, I ended up playing Red Black. I want to say five times that tournament, and went three two against them, uh, which. You know, felt like I, I definitely there was luck on my side in that case. Um, a lot of the red black opponents I played were on two misery shadow, and so that was pretty good. It wasn't until I ran into Joseph Karani that he uh hit me with the uh three misery shadow and I believe three extinction events in the sideboard. Like he was very prepared to take down mono green, and and he definitely did that uh in, in the games we played. Um, but day one, I, I just ran uh I actually ran two bad matchups in a row. I ran into a Tarka Red, a Tarka Red, and then Mono Blue Spirits. Um, and the Tarka Red opponent took game one from me, and then in game two we got randomly deck checked, and he got game lost for missing a card. So uh, that made it so that he kept a bad hand in game three and died to tilt. Um, Mono Blue Spirits. Um, I asked to see his cards. Uh, he showed me the most uh, warped Ascendant Spirit I've ever seen in my entire life. I just asked for text on Ascendant Spirit, and he pulls out an Ascendant Spirit. And uh, I called the judge, because there were marked cards in his deck. Uh, he got a game loss. So, turns out, uh, navigating bad matches with Mono Green is as easy as starting off 1-0. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I, no, it, it seriously felt like there was someone looking out for me that entire tournament. Uh, like I, I paired up against like some like nightmare matchups and then just uh, somehow came out the other side. Uh, the next few matches were like uh, a really close red black match, um, red black sack, which is free, and then green red vehicles, and and that's also a pretty free matchup. Um, so I two owed uh, the uh, the sack player and and the vehicles player. Um, the vehicles player ended up in top eight. Uh, she was very good. It's just uh, the matchup is not not good for her um, in the slightest. Um, it wasn't until I ran into the mirror in round ten that I took my first loss. Um, then, then I played against Andy in, in round 11 and cast a couple cityscape levelers uh, and that, that card is messed up. So yeah, I don't know. Drew well there too. It was, uh, I don't know. The, the stars kind of aligned a little bit, which is, um, I feel like that's something that has to happen, uh, to perform well at a big event in general. Um, and so I kind of picked my deck, um, knowing that I knew how to pilot it and that if the stars aligned, then things like really work out in your favor when it comes to mono green, because where in certain decks you draw really well and all of a sudden you have two removal spells in this deck, you draw really well and your opponent never untaps again. Like it's, it's just like a very, like, it's more my style of deck as well. I, I don't know. I just, I had a great time the whole time playing that deck. Um, at one point I got to Stonebrain mono white's entire library and he made me do it so uh i said to him uh i'm gonna name every card in magic and then i just started naming cards i, I went with Stormcrow, and then ancestral recall and then uh i went with giant growth and i just like named a bunch of cards that were not in the format and then was like now i'm gonna start naming cards in your deck um i don't know it was it was it was great i i this that type of magic is my favorite thing and it honestly doesn't feel like something needs a ban like a pioneer's healing um is is all i'm gonna say there like black red um the has a massive percentage of the meta and like is a very fair strategy um with the exception of maybe fable um and i don't know it's uh it it like the win rate of black red has definitely improved against mono green so it's not not even that mono green is as big a menace as it used to be um, I still think it's maybe a little too uh, degenerate for the format. I don't know. That's a very like subjective thing to say, but uh, you know that's uh, that's up to people smarter than me to decide. But I don't. I don't know if anything really does need a ban. Uh, Dan, did you mention like Karani had some specific cards? I think you mentioned you thought that he had three Misery Shadow, or, or no? I, I was thinking that he did have three Misery Shadow. I'm, I have to, I'm, I have to... I'm looking it up. He only has two, and Andy had three. But uh, yeah, what else, what else did you say you thought he had? Um, I knew he had three extinction events in the sideboard, I believe. Yeah, that 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 that, that was, was the big that was the big killer in, in that matchup. Actually, what actually happened in game three was that um, I kind of died to my deck as much as I died to his deck, um, where I kept a hand on six, uh, which was pretty reasonable, and then got double thought seized and never saw a third land. And so, like, you know, that that is kind of what I signed up for when you register Land of War Elves and, and, and cards like that, um, again, in a, against a field of, of removal. Um, it still felt really good um, playing kind of a proactive strategy like Mono Green in a field like that, where um, in Pioneer, the answers are not as good as the threats. And, and, and uh, Mono Green produces some really good threats. And so I find, especially instant speed answers, don't exist as much as they should in the format. And so a lot of times I untap, 
And then I just get to go buck wild with my turn and it, it feels great uh, on my end. And uh, I don't know, probably not so great for the opponent, but um, I, I love the deck and I, I uh, hope it sticks around because I would love to play some more of it. Was, was there anything that you, you changed from, from Toronto and, and anything that you would change moving forward? Um, so I think a lot of people use the flex slots as a way to shore up matchups and it kind of like gain percentage points in specific matchups. However, I kind of use the flex slots as um, just ways to increase my percentage points in general, if that if that tends to make sense. So like I picked cards that were like, um, like Might and Meek Stone, Might and the Might Stone and Weak Stone. Uh, that one, <laughs> it's, it's, I always get it wrong. Um, but that one I found amazing all day. Um, all weekend. I every time I hit it, it had text. Um, it activated Nykthos. It comboed with Teferi to produce cityscape level or mana really easy. Um, it uh, allowed me to do just a lot of like really cool, uh, cool things, including like removing people's uh, misery shadow. A lot of the time, um, I got to take misery shadow off board with that. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It also just there. It increases the percent chance of your storm being insane. Like it makes it so it's kind of acts as like a fifth cavalier in your storms where if you hit instead of having to hit cavalier cavalier, you can hit cavalier uh, stone. And that's like a very solid hit. Um, and if there's nothing on board to kill, you can just divination. And uh, the deck um, has a lot of dead draws where you you draw like an elf or a forest um, and you don't do anything. And so I find like the draw power there is, is important. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I found the stones really great. I found two to fairies to be a good number. Um, uncastables are, are painful in any number in the deck. Uh, and I know people are kind of hesitant to, to put them in there because of the, you know, the floor of drawing one without an oath. And, and you're just kind of stranded with one in your hand. But um, that was a very minimal, uh, it happened very minimally to me. And it, it made a lot of mulligans really easy where like you, the hand is medium and it has an uncastable to fairy in it. So you're like, well, this is a six anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt pretty good about my configuration and unless the format changed drastically, I'd probably run it back, uh, the same way, uh, in a tournament next week. Sweet. With you, with you doing well and with the winner doing well as well, I, I tweeted how, you know, you're representing sort of New Brunswick and, and the winner of Manitoba. We were, we were just hyping on a previous episode. Well, I, I think it was after you were, after you were, uh, after your interview, we were talking about. Alberta, Ontario, and, and here we are. Where I'm just tweeting about New Brunswick and Manitoba. Um, did anybody locally help you prepare? Were you working with local players? And, and how do you think, um, yeah, like heading into the Pro Tour, how excited is your, your local team that, that you play with? Yeah, so I play with a, with a good group of uh, Magic players out of, uh, like, who are centered in Fredericton. Um, they all, we all used to play out of the comic hunter. Uh, they've been under renovations for about a year. So we've instead been playing out of my buddy's Wyatt's house. Um, but what happened basically is I got, um, my friend Greg and I, Greg was the other person from New Brunswick at the tournament. Um, he day two and would be the other guy wearing a comic hunter shirt at the, uh, at, at the event. Um, and him and I would sit and play pioneer just for hours we we would we would sit down on at the start of a day at around 6 8 or around 8 a.m and, and we would uh, shuffle up our decks and we would play matches of pretty much anything you could any of the top decks against any of the other top decks 
and just trying to get like kind of uh, an intuition about the format and like also trying to pick a deck. I tried very desperately to not register mono green for Toronto. Um, at the time, I was trying to find something that could realistically beat mono green. And at the time, it wasn't yet known that black red was like a favored matchup. And so that wasn't something I was like heavily considering. We tried uh, various Yorian decks, uh, Karuga decks. We we really played around with the whole format. And uh, I also got uh, a friend, Mike Shang, involved, who uh, Mike's been to the Pro Tour a couple times and I believe Worlds once. Um, I might be mis uh, misstating that. But uh, yeah, so he was uh, someone that I kind of went to for advice. And I don't know, I just, I went out for, for drinks with the group uh, last night and uh, I don't know. They're, they're all super thrilled. I'm thrilled. Uh, this is my first time at the pro tour. Uh, a couple of them have been before, but I don't know. Everyone's really happy for me. I'm really happy. Uh, it, it feels really great. I don't know. That's great to hear. Um, Derek, is there any, uh, pioneer, important pioneer left to play? Like what's, what's your playing schedule looking like? <laughs> I mean, the, the pro tour is pioneer. So there is, important pioneer to play there's an entire set that comes out but um with the last two sets there's only been 10 cards from each set that really impact the format uh i don't expect a lot of things to really change that much other than like maybe slightly opening up the format a bit more but uh, i do think that with the rcs coming forward uh and like us moving through them um uh, people have started to enjoy the format more and sort of recognize the actual like uh like goodness of the format like its healthiness and so i think that th there's always more pioneer to be played now that it's an established archetype or sorry format and we have established archetypes um i'm personally really bored with modern i know some other people are too and uh yeah i think it's just a, a good alternative i'm excited to play some more and i'm excited to prep it for the pt um the next little bit too it's going to be a fun event yeah you're right you're right it will include uh phyrexia all will be one right that will be the draft format and i think i'm i'm just like in the mix in the midst of like announcing the next cycles tour weekend and the upcoming cycle three tour stops it's it's kind of overwhelming in terms of the different formats that you have to play as usual our tour stops for now are going to be or classic modern opens that uh, bring out the, the the most, get the most players to come to our events. And um, but the next tour weekends, the next regional championships will be standard. And so, you know, there's if you're a really active player and playing all these things, I guess you're playing modern, standard potentially, and also pioneer. You're going to be playing all three formats. Andy's nodding. Yeah. Well. You're talking about having to play a whole bunch of different formats. This weekend is the Mana Traders final event, which is a 48-player 30K that I qualified for. And I have to play Legacy, Pioneer, and Modern in day one, just in day one. You have your decks, deck selection ready? Yeah. Uh, I'm probably just going to play... I probably shouldn't even say anything because it's such a small tournament, but I'm probably going to play uh, <laughs> Phoenix, Murktide, and Delver. All right. Derek, do you plan to play any of these? Um, man, there's just so many events, right? Like 
um, any of the tour stops, any of the, um, you're obviously, I think you messaged in our group chat that you're going to, you're booked for Vancouver already, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to Van, the Vancouver RC. Um, I don't have any uh, season two RC qualifications because uh, there's no store, like most stores around me are like an hour, 45 minutes away. I haven't had the time to go play RCQs. Um, and top eighting an RC doesn't get me a qualification to one of the next ones. So this weekend, I'm going to go try and play an RCQ. I assume it'll be like 10 to 20 people. And uh, maybe I'll CQ into another one because I'm pretty sure this is the last weekend because of Christmas and New Year's. It was super weird. We had like a, a longer season, I think, because of uh, it's like the first RC season. They want to announce it, make it bigger. And then the second season, it's like, oh, we're getting ready for the RC, but we're also in an RCQ season. And then there's always Christmas, New Year's and all it's freezing outside. I don't want to leave my house. Um, so I don't go play RCQs. Right. So I'm in this weird spot where I'm just not qualified for any RCs next season. And uh, I would like to be, um, I'd like to keep playing high level events. So I do plan on playing opens. Actually my, uh, my qualifications for lap for this season were from the face opens. I top eighted three of them. And it's just like such a great value to go play the opens. Cause they're just like, I don't know, like 10 Ks or eight Ks or whatever. And then they give qualifications too. It was sweet. So yeah, yeah, you're right. When we were planning the the season one, we just had it just felt longer, and we had more tour stops. And then we only had four tour stops for cycle two, and now we just announced four for cycle three. So it's gonna I don't and I don't really know what's gonna happen for for cycle four or how many cycles are in the season. That stuff I'm not. I would assume four, but you know I don't no, want three right three yeah, PTs three. a season. And then it just goes straight back to, yeah, so. Yeah, this is wow. something I, I don't miss from the old PPTQ system is trying to hit RCQs and then plan for RCs. It's just like my life isn't that complicated, and this is already a little too much for me, and now I have to wait, like, where I'm spending my time. Do I have to go play this RCQ that's, like, 45 minutes away that's going to be 14 people, or can I just show up to this event that, like, actually matters and play right like obviously that's the system and that's how it is i'm choosing to be involved or whatever but you know i wish it wasn't like this i wish i could just show up you know um i guess even if you don't you book your flight for wait i'm confusing all the dates so you're not qualified for vancouver yet right so no <laughs> but you're flying in for friday where, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. And we're, I'm driving up to Ottawa. I, I know I'm going to Ottawa. We're, uh, we're going to figure it out as we go, you know. Uh, maybe I'll 9 7 the PT and I won't have to worry. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> is that, is that what, um, you, okay, that's what you have to do to chain another invite? I believe so. That's what people keep telling me. Again, uh, my brain is empty. I, I don't know anything. <laughs> People are like, oh, you have to 9-7 the PT. And I'm like, I don't know how to draft. So we're going to worry <laughs> about that first. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I, I was just going to say uh, I'm in a similar boat. I, I managed to get one qualification from a 1Q tournament in St. John. Uh, 
where I just took it down with hammer time. Uh, but the, I don't know, the system is kind of weird. And it, it, I was told by the organizer when I was judging the one in Moncton that it was a fairly um, compressed season because of the Christmas um, holidays and stuff. So there's a lot less, um, a lot less invites out there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm also judging an RCQ this weekend because I already have the, the one invite. And I figure what I'm going to do is I'll just go to Ottawa. And that's uh, probably it. I don't know if I can I can swing the the double uh, double RC this this coming season. But right now I'm just kind of focusing on preparing for the Pro Tour. I'm going to do a lot of drafting because I I need I'm out of practice. Yeah, the juxtaposition of the first season to the second season in length and uh, opens is sort of jarring and. I assume we're going to finally like realize what the, what is normal, but there's going to be so many more people or so many less people, sorry, at the second regional set of regionals. Yeah. In my opinion, I know most people from Toronto were talking about how they're starving for invites. There's just not a lot of invites out there. There's not a lot of four slot events. And because we had no opens uh, that the whole season, things get a little weird. I, I think Three of my qualifications were from opens as well. Yeah, I qualified through opens uh, the previous season. That's how I ended up with the Calgary and the uh, the Calgary and Toronto invites. I do know that ideally um, we want to go back to remember Andy when when the F two F tour was like there was like an open every week almost. That, that was like either that was right before COVID. Where yeah, because I remember insane. because there was an open in Kingston, the first one ever, and uh, it got canceled because of uh, a silly little, silly little pandemic. But there's go yeah. I hope like hopefully we can go back to that. I, I do think that uh, as we ramp up and and get more experience doing like the tour weekends and all that stuff i i, I foresee a, a world where we have a lot more tour stops um and so that that's gonna be awesome uh dan what made you do the double weekend again this time the the cycle the first cycle uh well i i don't know it was the first pro tour back since the pandemic i i was really excited about it i i really wanted to get there and and just be there at the first pro tour since you know since the shutdown of op organized play um yeah i don't know i was i was really uh really looking forward to it also uh, i won't lie um i got the flight to calgary as a christmas present from my mother um that's awesome yeah. yep <laughs> <laughs> um okay so last question for for you um how you, you sort of mentioned it uh but how are you going to be preparing for the pro tour you mentioned like you're going to do a bunch of draft but is there any um other processes that you can think of that you're going to apply? And, and... Well, I, I'm probably going to prepare similarly to how I prepared for this RC, where I'm going to just uh, do a lot of magic online testing. Uh, that was kind of typically what I did. Uh, we did the in-person stuff when we were trying to like break the format, quote unquote. But like, um, I don't know, turns out format is very fair and fine. Um, and the... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to do a lot of Moto drafting. I'm going to do a lot of uh, Moto Pioneer Leagues. And uh, I'm just going to kind of take it from there. I, I plan on just kind of... Um, I have a friend who told me he's going to make me not embarrassing at Limited. 
So that that's a ringing endorsement, and I'm going to go with that. Um, that's, that's kind of the... Okay, sounds like a weakness in Dan and Derek's game. What about you, Andy? <laughs> uh, thankfully, uh, we have a pretty good Pro Tour testing team lined up, I think. Pretty, pretty strong group of people. And aside from just that, there's another testing team who's reached out to invite me to their limited camps and like their draft house and stuff like that. So I could kind of glean a lot of the information from that. And I happen to be friends with some really great limited players, even if some of them have been out of the game a little bit during the pandemic. Some of the best limited players I've ever met happen to be one of my best friends. So I'm just going to try and take in a lot and learn from them. And I've honestly done well at the Pro Tour in limited before. And I'm pretty confident in my ability to re-get there. Every time I've put a lot of time into a format, I feel comfortable that I have a pretty good, uh, certainly better than average limited game. Uh, Derek, what about customers that uh, want some sort of draft, you know, guide or draft list from you? Yeah, um, I've actually spoken about this with uh, with Mason, funnily enough, because I've been talking to him. He also qualified. I want to do like a, I don't know if it'll be like a draft guide, but I, I want to do like a pro tour preparation um sort of breakdown of how we we prep we prep for the event what we do what changes we made um when we decided to uh like go to the event what we did at the event i don't remember or i don't know if um a lot of people remember like the old uh paul chion vlogs where he would like vlog them going to whatever city they're in they he would videotape the the draft camp them going on constructed over constructed decks. I want to do something like that. Um, I don't know exactly how to approach it, but unironically, like maybe do like a, this was our thoughts on draft and this is how wrong we were. And this was our thoughts on constructed and this is how wrong we were, or this is how right we were. And we're very smart at this game. Um, we put people in top eight, etc. I, I just think that there is uh, as much as there is a gap for, competitive play there's also a gap for competitive content and people want to watch players like people want players to watch people want to follow somebody and so whether it's me or somebody else on the team or somebody from canada we know like i think just yeah, like either, building that up would be cool either you are one of the most marketable players in the country you know yeah andy andy is infinitely more marketable uh as he has told me himself multiple times now he also said that he looks very good right at this moment. So if, if you have money to invest, invest in Andy's stock because that stock is going up. You can't see it right now, but I am looking extremely fresh, sans mustache. I don't know. Looking like a million bucks. You could probably hear it. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. All right, Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Do you have any questions maybe for the guys or, or myself? No, uh, just uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I, uh, I just want to say that, uh, for the record, I had never once played a game of Pioneer uh, until I heard that that was the format of the Pro Tour. And uh, I played a ridiculous amount of this format. I used to be a modern guy, and I don't know, my eyes have been opened. Um, this format is a lot of fun, and I would recommend anyone at home uh, pick up a Pioneer deck and, and try it out. And well, it looks like Watsi's not wants to push Pioneer more than modern, so... Um, they're not selling packs. 
<laughs> Standard is uh, eaten up by Arena. They need to sell packs. Yeah, and uh, it's glad to hear that you know someone could just pick it up. So thanks, Dan. Good luck at the Pro Tour, and hey, maybe we'll 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 have you on right after once you top eight that tournament. <laughs> well, you saying that has been good luck so far. So I'll, I'll take it. All right, we'll keep that running. So thanks, thanks for coming on, Dan. And now we've got the winner of the whole thing of the tour weekend, Calgary the Tour Championship, Joseph Ferrani on the show. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, going pretty good. It's been a very wild weekend and week, so just kind of trying to digest it all, you know, um, go through the motions, figure it all out. Still don't believe what really happened, but <laughs> it's going great. Um. My boss, I guess, or my manager, Matt Schmaltz, was able to capture that video that I've been retweeting with you, emo- like after winning all that emotion and your your friends, uh, yeah, near you. That's like that's a magical moment. That's like the moment that I I loved when I won my first PTQ. Am I like how <laughs> how did it feel? <laughs> like, um, it was like, yeah, like I I just like started crying. Uh, <laughs> as you can see, all my boys are around me. And all the good Winnipeg crew was there, gave like everybody hugs. They all waited for me. Um, it was like, it was just like unbelievable. Like I even watched that clip back a few times. And I'm just like, I'm glad that like got captured on like, someone's camera. Because, you know, we don't have like major streaming anymore. And like a lot of the Paper Magic streams have gone down. So like just to have Sebastian to capture that moment or Matt, it was just like unreal. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was just. Full of emotions. It was a very emotional uh, second day for me. Like, I cried when I made top eight. I was playing super nervous all through top eight because of the stakes that I was playing for at that point. Like, I was super relieved to get the Pro Tour invite, and that's obviously what I was playing for. But then it's like, oh, I have a chance to go to Worlds. And then that kind of, like, hit me, especially it's like, okay, well, we won top eight against Esper or against Abzai and Greasefang, which... My build wasn't like the best first, and then we play the mirror, which the mirror I feel is sometimes super random. You either went through like aggro or card advantage, and it's just like random. <laughs> um, and then I beat the this deck I've never played against in the finals, and it's just it was just a very surreal, um, emotional day. I was super drained after it, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, it's very hard to put into words, but I was happy, relieved, content. All <laughs> everything you can think of. So, uh, let, let's talk about more more about you, so our listeners can learn. Well, like you're based off where you're based around, and um, where you met all these friends that that surrounded you uh, for your win. Yeah, so I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. It's probably the worst city, other than Saskatchewan or uh, Regina and Saskatoon in in uh, Canada. But our magic scene is very strong because. We have some of the worst winters, so we were stuck inside for five, six months. So not much you can do other than play games with the boys, you know. But yeah, basically from Winnipeg, I started playing Magic about four and a half years ago. Right, I think about like Ixon Block, I came in. Um, really, I've enjoyed the game. Really wanted to. When I started, I started playing Limited and wanted to get more competitive with it. Started doing like PPTQs and I thought the Pro Tour was really cool and I was like, oh, it would be really cool to get on that. So started doing that whole grind. But yeah, was, then I went like 
from like PPTQs. I made a couple RCs or RCQs, whatever they're called back then. Started to go to like GPs. I eventually wanted Team GP with my boys. Went to the Pro Tour. I was able to date to the, uh, it was like the Oco Pro Tour. So yeah, but about me, I'm just, I'm just a regular guy. Loves to hang out, just play games. Are, are most of the local, those, those friends we saw in the video, are they from like a specific store that you play at or somewhere else? Yeah. So our, our store in Winnipeg is Fusion Gaming. We play mainly there, but we also have some other local stores. Like for whatever reason, our small city can support like four or five strong local stores. But again, that's just because of our, our winters are so tough that like there's nothing else to do. But yeah, but the majority of us has met at Fusion Gaming and been a good time. Tough winter, but people are willing to to go out to to the store. Like Derek, Derek just wants to stay home and play uh, <laughs> MTGO, right? <laughs> Yeah, but like MTGO isn't the same as as like going to like these events and going to like you saw the raw emotions that we had after I did well. And we had another Winnipegger get top four. We had two more Winnipeggers in the top 16. And like that raw emotion where you're cheering on your boys and your boys are doing well. Or we also have a couple of obviously girls in our group. And that 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 whole like the people are like, oh, it's the gathering. No, it actually is the gathering. It's. It's about doing it with your friends. It's about just having them there for you, supporting you, you supporting them. I love that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing Magic if it wasn't for my friends. I wouldn't be going to these events if it wasn't for them. So, I really, I really do appreciate them. I, I love to hear that. I especially love um, Manitoba appearing as, uh, you know, <laughs> like Andy. Like, where does the province power rankings? You know, it's like. <laughs> We, we did. We uh, I was just thinking that too. It's like uh, Ontario, no one in Worlds. What happened? <laughs> what went wrong? Yeah, no. I, I saw I saw your guys' uh, Twitter stuff, and the one thing I've always thought is like people just don't know how strong our Winnipeg core is. Like the top players in Winnipeg, I I put them against anybody else in Canada or the states, even. Just the amount of like. Let's hear some names. Well, there's Tira or Mohammed Kadi. He's Insane player. He played Yu-Gi-Oh! And he was like a top player in Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, he won- he's one of the guys who won the GP with me. John White, he's uh, he's also another grinder. He's day two is a lot of events. Um, but yeah, Cam Platt as well. Like all these guys are just like really good, really up and coming. We've all done like great at like the face-to-face tour, like multiple top eights, top fours, finals, all that stuff. Some of them were in the running, right? To top eight as well? Or they were doing real... I think yeah, I so... Yeah, so Mohammed Kadi lost his winning in. He actually played against Derek earlier. He was he was the guy who uh, brought in Rabble Masters versus Derek in Game Three, which we had a little chat about today earlier today on stream. Just wanted to get his opinions on. But he he lost his. We actually had three Winnipeggers playing for their five, for the top eight in the last round. There was Sean Burke as well, who's also a great player. He doesn't play as much as he used to, but. For whatever reason, he plays once every six months in these random tournaments and just, like, kills it. <laughs> Scott Polsky also did really well. He's going to go to the PT with us. He's one of those guys who has mastered elves in every format, like, like his C, Modern, Pioneer, and, like, it just lined up really well for him. <laughs> so I wasn't a big believer in elves going to this, into this, but, hey, man, <laughs> if, you, if you know your deck, you pilot it well, right? Get lucky in a couple spots, anything can happen, so... Yeah, Derek, have you checked out this list, this Golgari Elves list? No. Uh, 
yeah. be honest. Uh, He's like, it's a one-off. <laughs> yeah, when, when Elvis made top it, I'm like, damn, really nobody could stop this? Like, what happened today? <laughs> We're like, oh, yeah, vehicles, red, black, mono white, and you're like, Golgari Elves and uh, Esper Greasefanger top eight in this event. You're like, uh, people that are Esper... really feel different out in Alberta. Yeah, that Esper Greasefang list was interesting. Like, that was the deck I played in the finals, and I looked at it, I was like, oh, I've never played against this. <laughs> so, <laughs> good luck to me. Um, yeah, interesting is a good word. It uh, It's weird because Abzan, you, like, Red Black just can't beat a chariot. Esper is like, you just don't have chariot. Let's, let's yeah, go. and he uh, also saw the list, and I was like, "Oh, if I ever just get a shielder down, he has considers <laughs> tainted indulgence, faithful mendings. Like, good luck." <laughs> and that's basically how our games went. Like, shielder just ended the game. Yeah, the the event was super interesting because, like we talked about earlier, the there was significantly less red black than we thought, and mono white was the second most played deck. And then you look at like the top eight or the top 16 and there was like a, a little sprinkle of random other decks that made it in too. Um, like the metagame was mostly predictable, but like it, I think it really shows how, uh, especially for the Canadian RCs, that if groups of people go together with a specific deck in mind and they're playing that deck, it can really shape the metagame. Like um, Pascal Maynard and the, the French people playing Lotus Field in Toronto, or I know some of the Vancouverites were playing uh, Mono White. I played against them and talked to them a bit about it on day two. And so, yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting, like a smallish size event. Yeah, no, the uh, the metagame basically broke down how I thought it would. Like going into this weekend, I wanted to. I was expecting Mono White to have more of a resurgence because if you like looked at all the stats, like. It basically had like plus 50% win rate for everything other than like red black was like 48. So I thought people would uh, go towards that. I thought people would go towards red green vehicles because everybody in Canada was talking about this red green vehicles and this two mana three three wolf that's supposedly the best thing ever. And, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I thought red black would again just be super strong because better players are going to tend to lean to that deck, especially with how good it's been performing. And then also just like with open deck list, like I think that will help decks like mid range decks be able to mulligan, especially when you you're, you're on the draw, you know, Oh, I need a fatal push for their elves or this thoughts is a good here or yada, yada, yada. So I definitely thought like better players will still play red, black. And then I think people who are just trying to spike through red, black would play red, green. And then, People would also realize how strong Mono White actually is versus like all these decks like Lotus Field control mono green, right? So that's 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 basically like when I was like looking through your list, Ginger, and other people's lists, I was like, okay, I wanna be able to beat these three decks in mind, have a plan, good plan for mono green, and I don't really care about anything else. Like I wanna get past all the jank decks and just focus on the four or five pillars of the format. And that's kind of where I like came to the conclusions with my yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I talked with you a bit about this, but I think my list was built pretty poorly for the event. I uh, I think I tunnel vision on the Moto metagame mm -hmm. and just was expecting something different. And uh, you had, what, three extinction events? I had two, and I had two uh, invoked despairs in my sideboard, which were awful. I played against yeah, when I... or blue-white, and I didn't even need it. Yeah, 
Yeah, when when like I was watching, me and my bud, uh, his name's Cam Platt. He's one of your biggest supporters. He loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, shout I it out, him. shout him out. Yeah. But um, we were watching you, and you were you were definitely having a struggle with uh, blue white control a lot on your streams. You were like losing your random spots, and I think it was more just like th- cards weren't breaking your way. But every time we we tested that matchup, there was no. Mono white just felt so, or blue white just felt so bad. It felt it felt like everything had to go right, and even if it did, they would still find you could find ways to beat them. So that's why I was like, I'm not even going to worry about blue white control. We have these duresses, we have these bank busters. Good luck, like have fun. Your deck sucks. Yeah, in my testing, <laughs> I was also beating the crap out of blue white. And when Derek was like, "I'm terrified of blue white," I got put this <laughs> yeah, invokes yeah, in my like, deck. I was so confused. It's like I I don't know what yeah. was happening. Like I just. It, they just like always had it or it always worked out or like i i, I just drew that like it got to the point where i'm like am i playing like this badly or or is my deck built this poorly like i was yeah. demolishing blue white like a week and a half ago and i was t- irrationally afraid of it and i just threw away two sideboard cards because of it i mean like i i guess like those two sideboard slots probably would have gone towards red green um i should have maybe paid more attention to that deck but like in my testing i did with very limited with a friend of mine i was just rolling that deck we decided that they can't win unless they draw uh, a crow and war mind you like when mm-hmm. i lost the matchup my opponent did just have two crow wars against me and then against your friend they had rebel master game three and <laughs> i was like all right you got yeah. me. wasn't ready for this but yeah, no, basically yeah, his, th- yeah, his thought process, like I told you earlier, was like, he's like, oh, I'm seeing all these control cards, like, there's bank busters, there's pithing needles, I just want more threats. Like, it doesn't line up good versus stomp, but it lines up fine versus fatal push, it lines up, oh, like, okay versus, like, other things you can play in a position where you, like, tap out or something. So yeah. that was, that was kind of his thinking of it, but I personally don't know, we didn't even test it, it was just kind of like one of those... Yeah. Muhammad is a very like in tune. He like sometimes just goes with his gut and is just like, I think this in the moment, I'm gonna do this, we'll try it. So like yeah, it, it, I, it got me. Yeah, I mean I wasn't I had a push, it didn't have revolt, I died to a route yeah. master. But. Well yeah, when he told me I because we were talking about midterm and I was like, Man, I don't I don't know if you if it worked for you, cool. I don't think it's correct, but cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got extinction evented in the red black mirror to absolutely blow me out once, oh, that's and that's <laughs> one of those moments. I'm like, I don't think this is very good, but I am dead. I'm dead right now. <laughs> yeah, Until three no. of my creatures and their shieldred and blood tithe harvester and bankbuster lived, and I was dead. Yeah, story checks. <laughs> I guess you just oh yeah, there's just there's just sometimes things that like players will do something that you're not expecting or like you think might not be correct, and it just like get you, and you just you gotta be like. Okay. You know, like that that just happened. Move on, you know. So Yeah, you just gotta accept that in life if things break out this like break the same way or keeps happening, it'll break your way more often than theirs. Just accept Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Also, love- Derek, don't you board out your stomps in the, the vehicles matchup, weren't you? No. What? I thought you were, my bad. My no, bad. no, 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 no. No, no. Would not do that. Stomp stomp yeah. is like not great, but I wouldn't board it out. Yeah, like even just having like the four three body, like if you don't kill an elves or something, like it's just good enough. Yeah, it all it 
it like I said, it's not great. Kills mutavolts, kills elves, uh, but like it blocks well. And sometimes you can put two of them together and kill something. But they're certainly much better than trespassers for sure. Imagine if they had scavenging oozes in their deck and you could just stomp their two drop. Well, my opponent did. They were playing Judonka that round. Yeah. Yeah, Edward can check the scoreboard on the wolf wolf pack leader. I I, I, I personally think the wolf pack leader takes away too much from the deck. Like when I was I played against Red Green twice. Um, We also play tested versus both versions, and I felt I did a lot better versus the the wolf pack rather than the. Gigantha, because like Gigantha is just a a free card, but also uh, with a lot of the lists, you're cutting down a Crone Wars from the main. You're playing like most of us were playing two Crone Wars on like one side, but that was the card that was I was most afraid of, because Shielded is usually how I was winning most of these matchups. So, just the fact that you cut down on that card for like these two drops that also skew your mana base, don't let you have a eighth free eighth card. Um, I just I just think that the Gigantha build was a lot better. Um, me and Eduardo um, actually were the ones we like we chatted a lot about the Gigantha build and like we put his list together and that's how like Mo came to his. So, but yeah, I could be wrong, but I just think companion busted, free card busted. You also get better mana without having to play a two mana GG card. So, yeah, eat it, Andy. How's that make <laughs> you feel, huh? You were on Twitter all this week. Huh? <laughs> he was. Uh, I, I think we'll be all right. If I if I look really hard, maybe I can find a scavenging list that did well. <laughs> I mean, Mo Mo That's did uh, finish in twelfth. Violet finished with um, the Wolves in fourth place, and Happy Sandwich in yeah. 15. It was four of the five so. red green vehicles played pack leader in the top sixteen. Yeah, no, Violet. Violet was actually one of my losses. Like our match was game one, just. I was on the draw, went turn one elves, turn two reckless, turn three chariot. I did have a push. I was like, pretty good. <laughs> and then game two, it was like, I extinction event, but I had 10 lands to four, so I just lost. Hey, Joseph, uh, you mentioned how you're tweaking uh, the deck. Uh, maybe I missed it, but how did you land on Rakdos in the first place? Um, So, going, I was following very closely the other RCs. Like, that was one of the advantages Canada had was like, RCs were like later on. Um, for me, like, for like, I'm a mainly modern player. Um, in modern, I play like mainly blue decks. So I play like Mark Tide. I play sometimes Blood Control. I play like to play like also Creativity randomly. But so I'm a predominantly blue player. I used to play Is It Phoenix back in the day when it was good in modern. Um, I got my first like day two GP, at, like GP Calgary way back when. So I was like really high on this Phoenix deck and going into like the European RC, like. Canister was playing it, and I'm a very big fan of Canister. He's a great player. And they, like, tuned this Phoenix list, like, really well. I learned a lot about it. And it did very well in the RCs there. But after that, just, like, playtesting it more, it felt a little bit like, okay, like, it has, like, some inherent problems. Like, Phoenix always did because, like, you need your, you need, like, two Phoenixes in your top 15 cards, roughly, or 20 cards, and that's like a higher average than not. So you need to run hot there. Um, you also like have to hope your opponents don't have enough graveyard hate for you. And also your red black matchup just, it looks like it should be good on paper. Cause it's just like, Oh, I've draw cards versus discard cards. And they just have like these little shitty creatures. 
and the shield holder, the four mana four or five that like ties to lava axe, like who cares? But it just didn't line up like that. Like in testing, I was just like, I couldn't wrap my head around that I was losing to this red black deck. I just didn't respect it. I actually had told Derek on his stream earlier today, I was like, yeah, like a month ago, I like wrote it off. I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not playing this deck. There's no way. When I, if I can play Time Walk and Ancestry Wrinkle, <laughs> I'm going to do it. But like, then I saw the stats um, getting worse and worse for Phoenix over the like RCs over the weekend. Like, I went to RC Toronto. I wasn't playing there. I was working uh, for the Fusion booth. And I just like, Every all the Phoenix players were saying how they weren't having a good time, like the deck wasn't functioning well, yada yada yada. So I was like, you know what? I'll just test out this red black deck. I know Miss Ginger has been playing it a lot. I've been watching a lot of his stream. He's been tuning it. And then like I when I started playing it, I was like, okay, you you can get yourself into a lot of spots where you just outplay your opponent. Like one of the things that a lot of other red black players are doing incorrectly that I find, especially in this format, is they're just going turn one thought sees. Well, this format doesn't need a turn one thought sees. The Most of the big plays are turn three. So you want to like stop like an Adeline coming down turn three or like uh, pieces of the puzzle, stuff like that. So you don't just want to go turn one thought sees, turn two guy, turn right and go. No, you want to save, you want to like save your spells a bit. And when I started doing that more and understanding that this format is a little less powered than modern, but the, the main power comes on turns three and four, it really started to click for me. And then like I once I fully understood the deck, I was like, okay, you have open deck lists, you have a great cyber plans versus every deck in the field, and you just have like some of the best cards and shielded is even though before I just was like, Oh, it's a four mana, four five, who cares? Now I'm like, Oh, this card's insane. It <coughs> shares up the aggro matchups, it beats your bad matchups, and it doesn't have to attack to win the game. Like versus like blue white. Never attacked with Shieldred into Wandering Emperor. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Like, you lost, like, the game, right? Like, you have to board white now, and then you just died of these man lands. Things like that, right? So it's it's very, it's a very, like, rewarding deck for, I think, higher-skilled players. And, like, once you've actually, like, learned, like, the ins and outs and have, like, just, like, solid cyber plans and know what you're doing in each matchup, I think it will carry you a long way. So that's, that's why, I, like, I decide on it. My friends didn't believe me even up until last day that I was going to play because they're like, there's no way you're playing red, black mid-range. <laughs> they're like, you have this blue-white deck because I own the blue-white deck. I own the Phoenix deck, but I, I got it. I made a list, and then I gave all the... There was like four, four or five red-black players in our group the list, and I gave them all it. And the sideboard guy that I made, like, I based a lot of the thinking on gingers, but, like, we obviously had, like, differences, so... And different plans versus some matchups, like... One thing is I like Boat in the uh, mono-white matchup, even though it's a five drop. Because one of the ways I found I was losing is like these multiple winning announcements. And so you have to, when your mono-white player has multiple winning announcements or like winning announcement plus castle, the board gets gummed up very quickly, but at least Boat can attack over it and keep the board small so that you don't just die. So basically like with like the little tweaks, like I after day one, I was like, I love this list that I had. I was super pumped about it. I was like, it's working great. I started the tournament off 6-0, lost the next two rounds, but they didn't really feel like losses I could really do much in. Like I said, the red-green, I just <laughs> got 1-3 one, one, forward dead on the draw and then flooded, came 2, and then I played versus Fournier, and he uh, we had game 1. 
it was close, but I had a multi six on the play, so I was just like less cards the whole game. And then game two, we had roughly the exact same draw, like almost the exact same cards, identical. But he had a croaks and I didn't, so I just got a little bit outgrinded. So I was like, you know what, like I I played well enough and maybe burned out a bit by the end, but I was super happy with the list. And then like day two, I didn't lose. I guess it just like showed that the list was good. Andy, you were having fun with Phoenix and Toronto, right? <laughs> yeah, I can I can guarantee at least one person had fun with Phoenix and Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, uh, Joseph, do you have any plans already of how you're going to test for the PT? Like you're going to work with the or the locals are going to help you, despite not you know necessarily be all qualified like you, yourself. Yeah, so like for the last PT that I played, which was right before COVID, I was, was a madman and played like forty hours of every day or not every day sorry every week and i was just like crazy about it because it was my first pt um wanted to do well obviously and then i had my two other friends who were with me on the pt because it was a team gp that we won so it was like me muhammad and kevin brown so i wanted to put as much time and as effort as i could and i wanted to help also give them the best chance for them to do well so basically i guess my plan is i'm just going to grind like i'm going to play with mohammed my boys john or maybe maybe do arena for drafting again i haven't played arena forever i hate that <laughs> i hate that platform it's so bad but i learned the, the way i learn the most is not actually through like physical practice or playing games i watch like streams like gingers here or canisters and i just watch other people play and while they're playing like i watch their sequencing and then I go through how I would sequence and what they did differently and what I would have done differently, trying to like figure out how like the games would have played out. So I do a lot more theory than I actually do practical. And like before the, before this Calgary uh, tournament, I did like maybe like 15, 12 hours of practical, but all it was like just a ton of like streams in the background while I'm working streams, just always just around just so I could have like constant feedback, constant like learning the format. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not too concerned about my preparation for it. I think how how good your drafting skills. I actually think drafting is my best or thing I'm best at in Magic. I've always been good. Like I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh as well, but I've always been good at um, deck building, and I've always been good at limited just in general. Even in the PTI, I did really well at drafts. I love. It's it's honestly what made me fall in love with Magic was limited in draft format i think it's very high skilled having to figure out how to cut people when to cut people off when you're getting cut off what's open what's not try and keep your curve good within your deck and like it's very hard to do all these like little things in real time for people so i find like if you get good at it you have the biggest advantage as well in limited especially drafting because it's just it's not just like we go to calgary i'm like oh i got Misplaced Ginger's deck list and Cyber Guard, and I'm good to go. I have a basic understanding. No, it's like, it's like, do I put this three mana two two in my deck because of XYZ? Do I, right? It's like, what's my 19th card? What's my, do I play 16 lines? Does my deck play 15 lines? Like, how aggro are we getting? Like, what's the curve? Like, do I have to play 18 lines, right? All these little things that, like, just like understanding, like, fundamentals of the card game, percentages, magic in general, what your deck's trying to do, all these little things add up. And show in the limited format that I don't think otherwise does a good job in like 
these bigger terms, especially now with the amount of information everybody has access to. So that's where I think like I'll do really well the limited. And I think for basically like the um the constructed play, just play well and hope the cards line up and fifty fifty when you lose. You know, like that's how I look at it. Like I'm gonna be against good players, I've played against great players before. That doesn't really bother me. For your prep, are you gonna do? Is are you gonna just gonna check out some streams as well? Is there a limited streamer that you'd recommend? Um, I don't really watch limited streamers that much. I do sometimes read articles about limited, but I also work in a card shop and I price cards, so I have to do in depth analysis of these sets anyways, just to be like, okay, what is this card going to be good? This card going to be good, right? So that's going to help me because my job kind of helps with this, but. I think for limited, it's more just like, I just want to get as much reps in as possible. That one, I won't really watch the format for because like it's, it is what it is, but like for constructed, yes, I will definitely be watching like ginger stream, canister stream. Like they're just great. They understand the formats well. They're very good at deck tuning. They're very good at understanding why they lost except for ginger when he, didn't know why he was kept losing to blue white and just threw this evoked despairs at 4 a.m. when I saw the tweet. I was like, that's crazy, but um, <laughs> it happens. So I understand getting beat by the same deck over and over again and just like wanting to do something about it, but I think it was also just a small sample size for you. But yeah, no, like preparation wise, like at the end of the day, it's magic. Just play your cards, do the best you can, learn as much as you can, and hope for the best, <laughs> you know? Um, Derek, Annie, you have any last questions for, for Joseph here? No, we're good. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. Um, was ecstatic for you when I saw that you won and and, and just the, the happiness that you showed on, on, on Cam. Um, good luck at the PT. Good luck at Worlds. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I did do the mean mug photo with the trophy for face, but that was just a throwback for... One of my friends wasn't smiling when we won the GP, so I had to do one of that. But, like, yeah, I was, like, I was through the roof. And Worlds is obviously going to be a great time. We're going to rent a big Airbnb, have, like, 20 people from Winnipeg go, you know. <laughs> it's going to be a good time, so. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.